Welcome to our final session on the doctrine of the Trinity. In our last session, we talked about modalism, that is, the false teaching about God that says that he merely reveals himself in three modes. Sometimes he shows himself as Father, sometimes he shows himself as Son, sometimes he shows himself as the Holy Spirit, but there are not really three persons. There's just the one God who appears three different ways at different times. That's not what the Bible says, as we saw through the story of Jesus's baptism, where God the Father speaks from heaven and says, this is my beloved son. Jesus, of course, is the son of God incarnate in flesh, and the Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove. So there you have all three persons of the Trinity there, present and distinct at Jesus's baptism. And so the Bible tells us that there is one God who eternally exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, in our final session, we want to talk about one of the reasons why all this matters. Why does it matter that God is a trinity? Why does it matter for us to understand that the Son has eternally existed, that the Spirit has eternally existed, that all three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, are one God and yet three distinct persons who eternally exist and are worthy of worship. Why do we need to think about these things? Why do we need to know these things? Well, of course, these things are important because the Bible talks about them and because the Bible is God's word, it's more important than anything else that any man could think or any man could say. We need to know what God says and what God says about himself. It's important just because it's in the Bible, right? It's also important because we want to know God. We were made to know God. We were made to be in fellowship with God. And so we want to know God as he is. We don't want to have wrong ideas about God, misunderstand God. We want to know God truly. And God is truly a trinity, one God in three persons. And so we need to know that. But the third reason why this is important and the reason we're going to focus on in this final uh, session is it's important for our worship. We are to worship God because he's worthy of our worship and praise. We uh, need to honor him because we owe it to him, but also uh, the Bible says that it is good for us to worship God. And if we're going to worship him, worship is uh, ascribing worth, right? It's, it's telling God that he's worthy and why he's worthy. And in order for us to ascribe proper worship or worth to God, we need to say to him things about him that are true. We need to talk about him, pray to him, sing to him in ways that reflect the truth about who he is. And so uh, understanding the truth about God as triune, as a trinity, is important for us to be faithful in worship, to honor God rightly by confessing back to him the truth about him. Now, 
how can we do this and how could we how should we do this well we can do this we should do this through our singing now singing is not the only thing that is worship and sometimes we talk about worship as though worship equals singing worship is an important part uh, or singing is an important part of worship but worship includes uh, prayer worship includes uh, preaching and and reading and listening to the Bible and all those things but singing is an important part of our worship and it's one of the best ways that we can communicate back to God the truth about him in a way that honors him and the good news is there are hymns and songs that clearly reflect the fact that God is a trinity. For example, there's one uh, called Come Thou Almighty King. And uh, this hymn addresses the first verse to the Father. It says, Father all glorious, over all victorious, come and reign over us, ancient of days. It's talking about the Father. And then in the second verse, it talks about the Son. Come thou incarnate word. That is the word of God. John talks about in John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and so on. And the word took on flesh, right? Became flesh and dwelt among us. That's what this is talking about. Thou incarnate, enfleshed word. And then the third verse says, come Holy Comforter, and that's talking about the Holy Spirit, and Jesus said was the, the Comforter that he would send to his disciples. And then in the fourth verse, it brings all these together, and it says, to the great one in three. So again, talking about the doctrine of the Trinity, the truth about God, one God in three persons, we can sing that back to him, we can praise him, Praise each distinct person, Father, Son, and Spirit, and praise the one God who exists in three persons uh, through our hymns, right? Through our singing, um, the the hymn "Holy, Holy, Holy," one of the one of the truly great classic hymns, includes the line, "God in three persons, Blessed Trinity," um, the doxology, which is one of my favorites. Well, the psalm that begins, praise God from whom all blessings flow, says uh, near the end there, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So again, making reference to all three persons of the Trinity. Even in the hymn, A Mighty Fortress, which was written by Martin, Martin Luther, maybe not one we would think of as being Trinitarian, but in the first verse it says, a mighty fortress is our God, right? And there we would have in mind primarily the Father. And then in the second verse, it talks about how Christ Jesus is on our side, right? Christ Jesus, it is He. And then in the fourth verse, it talks about the Holy Spirit. The Spirit and the gifts are ours. And so, again, all three persons of the Trinity are mentioned in the hymn, A Mighty Fortress. Uh, the hymn, Glorify Thy Name, uh, has a verse devoted to each person, right? Father, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Spirit, we love you. Um, there's another hymn, God our Father, we adore thee, which has, again, one verse for each of the three persons. And then the fourth verse says, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one, we give thee praise. And so th those are just some of the ones um, that are in uh, like one of the Baptist hymnals. There are other uh, songs I'm sure you could add to that. There's um, probably some more uh, recent songs that address uh, all three persons of the Trinity, but that's one of the ways that we can honor God rightly as a Trinity, as triune, is through singing 
to and about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as one God in three persons. Now, what about when we pray? Is there a way to reflect uh, the truth about God as Trinity in our prayers? And and one question that might uh, come up in relation to that is, is it appropriate to pray to all three persons of the Trinity? And what I would say to that is, um, it is appropriate to pray to all three persons of the Trinity because all three persons are God, right? And so you can pray to the Holy Spirit because He's God. You can pray to Jesus, to the Son of God, because He's God. And you can pray to the Father, of course, right? Because He's God. But the pattern we see in the New Testament is is not to address um, each of the three persons. You don't see um, a lot of prayers uh, addressed to anybody but the Father. You might see, um, you, you know, you might see one uh, a mention here or there about um, praying to Jesus, maybe. Um, and I'm not sure if there's anything about praying directly to the Holy Spirit. Right? That's not the emphasis of the New Testament. The emphasis of the New Testament is on praying to the Father in the name of the Son by the Holy Spirit or in the Holy Spirit, right? So that, that's what we see consistently emphasized in the New Testament. So for example, Jesus taught his disciples to pray our Father, right? To address the Father in prayer. And he also, when he was preparing his disciples for his departure in John 14 and 15 and 16, he told them that they could ask the Father for things in his name, that is in Jesus's name. Right? And so they're praying to the Father, but they're asking in the name of Jesus. Right, um, And then the Bible also uh, talks about praying in the Spirit. For example, in, in Ephesians uh, 6.18, when it's talking about the, the armor of God, right near the end of that passage, it says that we are to be praying at all times in the Spirit. So we are supposed to pray to the Father in the name of the Son, in the Spirit, by the Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, Jesus in John 16, 23 says, In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Right? So, again, it's right in principle to pray to the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. You could address each of the persons of the Trinity because they're all God. And there's no reason why you can't pray to each of them. But what we see consistently in the New Testament is prayer to the Father in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, also when we think about our prayers it's uh, and, and the Trinity, it's helpful to remember that not only is prayer Trinitarian for us, right, but uh, the whole Trinity uh, is also involved in prayer for our good. So, for example, uh, Paul says in Romans chapter 8 that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, right? The Holy Spirit is praying for us. In Romans 8, 26 and 27, he says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. 
And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So the Holy Spirit is praying for us, Paul says, interceding for us. Our prayers are weak, but the Spirit knows what to pray for, what to pray for us. And Jesus intercedes for us. The Son of God intercedes for us. Later in that same chapter, Romans 8, verse 34, Paul says, Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So the Son of God himself is interceding for us with the Father. The Spirit is interceding for us with the Father. So the Son and Spirit are both praying to the Father on our behalf. So not only should our prayers be Trinitarian to the Father in the name of the Son by the Spirit, but the Trinity, all three persons themselves are involved in prayer, as it were, on our behalf, for our good. Um, another thing we could say about this is that our, our whole approach to God, not just prayer, right, but our whole approach to God is Trinitarian. In Ephesians 2.18, it's talking about what Jesus has accomplished for both Jews and Gentiles through his uh, death and resurrection. And it says, for through him, that is through Jesus, the Son, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So in the spirit, through the Son, we have access to the Father. Our, our whole approach to God, fellowship with God, communion with God, etc., it's all Trinitarian. It's all come to the Father through the Son in the spirit. Right? Um, so we can, we can pray in a way that's Trinitarian, right? We can um, remember that the members of the Trinity, the, the, the Son and Spirit are interceding for us with the Father, so all three persons of the Trinity are involved. Uh, we can sing about the Trinity, we can pray, uh, praise the Trinity, right? And then we can also uh, confess our faith in the Trinity, right, through a confession of faith. We've used it at our church before. We've um, said the Apostles' Creed before. The Apostles' Creed has a very clear Trinitarian structure, right? We believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, and in the Holy Spirit, right? So we are confessing our faith not only in one God, right, but in all three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Nicene Creed does the same thing at greater length, right? Confesses our faith in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So all of these, and I'm sure there are others that you could probably think of, all of these are ways that in our worship we can confess, sing, pray, praise uh, back to God the truth about who He is, right? Because that's what we have been called to do, right? We've been called to worship God, to give ourselves in worship to God, and worship needs to rightly reflect who God is and what God has revealed about himself. And so we want to reflect in our worship the truth that God is triune. Now, I hope you have enjoyed this study of the Doctrine of the Trinity. I hope it's been a blessing to you. It's been a blessing to me. I hope you've benefited from it. Um, I hope maybe that it has uh, helped you to see uh, perhaps 
some things you hadn't seen before or, or think more clearly about some things about the Trinity. I know I've learned a lot about the doctrine of the Trinity over the last year or so, and that's been um, helpful and, and, and stirring and, and meaningful to me. And so I hope this uh, series has helped to impart some of that to you as well. And I want to leave you with Paul's Trinitarian blessing from the end of his letter that we call 2 Corinthians, where he says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. God bless.